However, knowing that this is almost a daily thing now, um, I recognize that I need uh, to help train people to help me with some of what we're doing here. Hallelujah. And specifically, we've been training people in how to do a lot of different things. Again, uh, many people I know are coming. In fact, I'm seeing cars pull in as I speak. Many more people are coming in. Uh, We've done a lot of training as far as being used behind the platform now with Brother Victor and Sister Mian uh, both preaching on Wednesday nights now. Uh, We've had a lot more people be used during the song services. We've done training on the computer. We've done training on all these areas. Specifically, it has helped me and relieved me of much of the work, but one great need that I've noticed is in this area, and tonight, I'm not going to be teaching specifically on that, but I do hope that tonight, this may be just kind of an introduction to the foundation of being able to build people and help people to begin to uh, work with people one-on-one through phone calls through Bible studies, stuff like that. This is the beginning phases of that. I've been talking to Sister Mian, uh, I believe I said it to, to Kavan recently, I've said it to Ed recently, that I need to start training people <laughs> to start doing that. Because if I'm talking on the phone for four and a half hours uh, every day, then that means I'm very limited on everything else I can do, and it means that, that that's about the cap. That's as much as I can talk on the phone every day. And if we have more people coming and more growth, that means we're going to need more people people involved in that area. Uh, So we've talked a lot about ministry and ministry being more than a business, right? And ministry is not just, uh, you know, we come in the place and get cash and we give them a service or that's not what ministry is. Ministry is about people, amen? Hallelujah. So what I would love to do, beginning with this lesson tonight, is really to prepare us and to start raising up leaders that can help with uh, helping people and ministering to people. Is that all right? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I am excited about this lesson tonight. If you'd like to head in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, we're going to be there just for a minute, uh, but we are going to discuss a a large portion of Romans 13, and we're going to get our sermon title and our main passage of Scripture through this. Romans 13, let me just describe it and explain some about this chapter. Romans 13, 1 through 7, specifically discusses the Christian's duty to submit to civil government. It is actually a very important passage of Scripture uh, for our understanding on how to, again, live in this present world. Uh, it's very good, and really, the entire chapter, those verses specifically, they kind of just sum up and explain a little bit further what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 21. If you remember, the Pharisees came to him trying to trick him and said, should you and your followers pay taxes or give tribute to Caesar? And of course, Jesus, being very wise, recognizing what they were trying to do, he asked for a little 
uh, coin, and he, he looked at it, and the, the uh, picture that was on it, he said, who is that on there? They said, well, that's Caesar. He said, all right, well, give unto Caesar what is his, and give to God what is his, right? Hallelujah. So the Bible tells us that, or Jesus specifically told us to give to Caesar what is his. Verse 7, it admonishes Christians, and I'm going somewhere with this, and I promise this isn't about civil uh, rights or anything like that, but verse 7 admonishes, admonishes Christians to pay they're all debts to the state, whether it be taxes or anything like that. As you see on the screen, Romans 13 and 7, give to everyone what you owe them. Now, that's a very important line right there. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, now this is talking again specifically about the state and government. If you owe taxes, pay your taxes. If you owe revenue, then pay your revenue. If you owe respect, then pay your respect. If you owe honor, then pay your honor. Now, of course, we understand, uh, well, first of all, that word revenue, it means debt, if you will. So if you owe taxes, then you pay your taxes. If you have debt, then you pay your debt. And then we know that there, debt isn't all finances, Right? That sometimes we owe people, and it's not doesn't come with money and the green stuff, but we owe them for other reasons. <clears throat> he goes on. If we you owe respect, then then pay somebody <clears throat> the respect that you owe them. Honor, pay somebody the honor that you owe them. Verse eight continues down this vein and says, "Owe no man anything." Owe no man anything. Now, there's a lot of people, this is kind of the most teachy I'm going to be right now, okay? But there's a lot of people who read this and think to themselves, that means I should never, ever take out a loan or a mortgage or anything like that. Now, let me clarify what this means specifically. Now, of course, you know a debt arrangement is something that gives the borrowing party permission to borrow money under the condition that is to be paid back at a later date. I get money, and at some point, I'm going to pay that money back, usually with usury or interest, right? Uh, So I'm going to get money, and I'm going to pay it back, but with interest. That's how loans work. That's how mortgages work. We under... We all understand that. So when he says, oh, no man, anything, I do not believe he's saying that you should never, ever take out a loan or a mortgage. He is speaking here under the assumption that loans and mortgages are actually just a way of life. And in fact, the Bible talks a lot about loans and mortgages. The Old Testament specifically established laws to regulate loans in Deuteronomy 15 and Deuteronomy 24, Jesus taught Christians to lend readily to the needy in Matthew 5 and Luke 6. In his parable, Jesus suggested the wicked servant should have, at the very least, loaned out the money he was given so that he could bear interest on it, right? So if God would encourage us to lend money, certainly he would not 
consider it sinful for us to borrow money. He wouldn't encourage us to lend money if he if he thought it would we would be uh, causing somebody else to sin. So what this is actually trying to say, and in the NIV we read, it says, "Let no debt remain outstanding." So he's not saying don't ever take out a loan, but rather he's saying under the assumption everyone's probably going to at some point have to borrow some money, make sure you pay it off. Hallelujah. Make sure you pay off your loans. Pay every just debt. Do not incur debt. You cannot pay or you cannot pay on time. Now, that's just common sense, but sometimes we really have to take a moment and think about that. He's encouraging us and saying, if you owe somebody, make sure you pay it off. There, no Christian should have money looming over their head, right? God desires that we should pay it off. Of course, again, sometimes we fall in hard times and and we're unable to and we have to do what we've got to do. Maybe we need support or help or anything like that. But certainly, as Christians, we should pursue a life where we do not owe. In our society, I believe it's a necessity. And even if you look into the teachings of Dave Ramsey specifically, who has a lot of Christian biblical principles in his teaching on finances, uh, he suggests not to take out any kind of credit card or loan unless it is uh, a house, a mortgage on a house. I think that that is very wise. Specifically, I think, again, uh, I don't know that that there's anybody who has right now $400,000 sitting around to buy a house. So the problem is, is in our society, we've got it set up to where you basically have to take out a loan, right, in order to purchase a house and build your equity. And in time, you build that equity. But even if that is the case, there should be no Christian that just sits back and says, well, that's just always going to be there. I don't need to worry about it. Or I don't need to worry about paying it off. As a Christian, the the Bible states, Owe no man anything. Amen? Hallelujah. And then this verse continues. And I'm saying all that because this leads into really the point uh, of the lesson here today. So that's the NIV. Let no debt remain outstanding. Um, Owe no man anything, verse 8, but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. This is it in the NIV. Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. Everything else needs to be paid off, he says. You should have no looming debt over your head. But there's one thing that you will never get rid of. There's one source of debt that you will never pay off, and that is loving one another. Ah, That's pretty powerful to me. The Greek in this passage of Scripture uses the present infinitive to love, which indicates a continuous or repeated action. It's not simply a, okay, I love that person, so I'm good, but rather it means a continual action of expressing 
and showing love toward one another. That is powerful to me. And man, if we could just recognize the debt we have to one another. Love is that unsolvable debt. Love is the unsolvable debt, that debt that I can never pay off, the debt that I'll never give enough, I'll never do enough. I have to continually give and pay off my debt. Amen. Hallelujah, because here this evening as we're talking about this, this passage says, listen, you need to pay your taxes. You can and should pay them off. You need to pay your mortgages and your loans. You can and should pay them off. You need to repay your favors that you owe people. You can and should pay them off. But the one thing you'll never pay off, the one thing you'll never get rid of, the one thing that's always going to be a burden on your shoulder is that you love one another, that you give each other love and acts of love toward each other. Praise God. And we know beyond just simply taxes, mortgages, favors, that sin has placed a debt on individuals. We know Romans 6.23 tells us very plainly, the wages of sin is death. Because of my sin, much like if I would to break the law, perhaps if I speed in a 35 and I decide to go 45 or 50 or 60 and a cop pulls me over, he writes me a speeding ticket. That's my wage. That's my payment, my debt due to my breaking the law. He says that there is only one, one debt, one payment of sin, and that is death. It's the only thing that will settle the debt of sin that we have on our lives. Oh, but the next, pat, the next portion is so beautiful. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Why is that? Because of our sin, I must die. That's what I have to pay. That's my debt. But guess what? Because of your sin, you also must die. That's what you have to pay. That's your debt. So I can't pay your debt because I'm too busy paying for my own sin, right? Oh, but there was one who came to this earth who was sinless and lived all of his life without sin. And he died on the cross. The only man who shouldn't have died on the cross, he did die on the cross. Why'd he do it? He didn't have the debt of sin. He wasn't paying off his own debt. He was paying off your debt. He was paying off my debt. He died that I shouldn't have to die. He died that I might have eternal life. Oh, can we thank him for a moment? Can we worship him for a moment? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. By the gift of God, we were given that eternal life. What was the gift of God? What was the reason for all of this? 
I know you can quote it. We can all quote it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Hallelujah. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. That brings us back to Romans 6, 23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It was because he loved us. It was because he loved you. It was because he loved me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can I tell you today, the love of God put him in the world. The love of God put him on the cross. And the love of God put him in our hearts by the Spirit. It was the love of God that did it all. I thank God for his love here today. Oh, if we only knew the love of God for us, if we could only comprehend how much God truly loves us. Ephesians 3, 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may be able or may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is. But look at this. He says, but to know this love, it surpasses all knowledge. Hallelujah. That even though I may explore the love, I'll never be able to find out just how great his love is. First, Paul says he desires for us to know, if you're talking about King James Version, he desires for us to know the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. But then he comes to this same conclusion. The love of God is without finding out. Hallelujah. Hear me today. If his love was a wall, we could never cross the breadth of it. And if his love was a road, we could never walk the length of it. And if his love was an ocean, we could never explore the depths of it. If his love was a building, then we could never climb the height of it. Hallelujah, because it is past knowledge and it is unable to be explored fully. That's the love of our God. Oh, can we worship him for a moment? How about we stand to our feet and just begin to shout unto the Lord. Hallelujah. That is the love of God. And I know today I'm talking about the unsolvable debt that we have. But before we can explore the debt of love that we have, we have to explore the love of God. 
Because John 15 and 12 tells us, this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. He says, this is my commandment. First of all, can we take a moment to recognize this is not a suggestion. This is not him saying, oh, just try to do it. It's not him saying, if, it, if it's not too much trouble, love everyone. Not saying, if it's convenient for you, love everyone. He's not even saying, if they deserve it, love them. He says, this is my commandment. Just as thou shalt not murder is a commandment, thou shalt not steal is a commandment, so is this. Thou shalt love every one. Thou shalt love one another as I have loved you. This is the commandment, love another as he loves us. Love each other as he loves us. Hallelujah. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But pastor, they don't deserve my love. I don't owe them anything. You are actually right. You're correct. You don't owe them anything. But man, do we owe him. Hallelujah. Oh, we don't owe them anything. And, and you're right, we don't have to do it because of their own actions or, or because they deserve it. But, but the Lord deserves it. If he loves me so much and gave himself for me as he has, oh, then I think that I could give myself to loving somebody who doesn't love me, to love somebody who doesn't deserve it, to love somebody who doesn't, who I don't owe them it, but because I owe it to him. As I have loved you, he says, I want you to turn around and love them. It is his love that is without measure that shows us what we must do. The benchmark. He set the bar. My love is without measure. Therefore, your love will never be accomplished. It will never be solved. It's a debt that you'll never reach. Because no matter how much we love, we'll never outlove the Lord. And no matter how much we give, we'll never outgive the Lord. Oh, come on, anybody feel that here today? You feel God loves me so much and I must love. Everyone knows John 3.16. But do we know 1 John 3.16? John 3, 16, who so, or God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But what about 1 John 3, 16? Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. So we understand his love, the immeasurable love of God because he gave it all for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
if he gave it all for me, I must give it all for him. Verse 17, but whosoever hath this world's goods, now he's getting practical, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. If his love put him in the world, and his love put him on the cross, and his love put him in our hearts, the least we can do is allow love to put compassion in our hearts for our brothers and sisters in need. The least we can do is allow the Lord to put passion, compassion in us for those who need it. Hallelujah, because we can never give enough. We can never care enough. We can never love enough to outlove the Lord. And the Bible says, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. And this verse of Scripture, it's showing that again. He's saying God didn't just so love the world that he called or that he, you know, he so loved the world that he wished that this would happen. He so loved the world that he gave. Yes, action. Are we only loving in word and tongue? Are we all talk when we say we love? How do I know if I'm all talk? Well, am I going out of my way to love in deed and in truth? Do I give as God gave? He loved and his love led him to give. Is our love leading us to give? Our love must lead us to give our finances. Our love must lead us to give our attention. Our love must lead us to give our time. I do not by any means believe that four and a half hours I spent yesterday on the phone was time wasted. It was time spent out of love. And sometimes it is difficult. And sometimes you give a lot. And I recognize today we have to have our limits. Oh, but if we could just get a little bit of the love of God. And like God gave his only begotten son. Oh, how much have you given for your brothers and your sisters? How much have you given to see souls saved in our city? How much have you? I'm not here trying to put anybody on black. I know everybody here has done so much. I'm not saying anybody's not doing it. I'm just trying to shine the light back on us and and bringing it up again. Have we been loving? Do we love as God loves? Oh, Jesus. Because sometimes our ministry can be loveless and us not even realize it. And I actually, I don't have much more to go. Again, this I told you this would be much more inspirational than it is 
trying to teach you specifics. But you know what love is not. 1 Corinthians 13, we know this passage of Scripture well. 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, it doesn't mean I love. It means I've got the Spirit of God, right? It means God's living inside of me. But it doesn't mean that I love. We can speak in tongues and not love. We have to put effort behind it to be tongue-speaking but also have love toward those who are in the church. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If we speak in tongues all day, but we don't give, then he's saying all we're doing is just making a lot of noise. And I know we know this here today, but I hope you can hear my heart. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that I can move the mountain, but I am lacking love, I am nothing. Just because we stand behind a pulpit doesn't mean we have love. Just because we come to church and prophesy or speak to one another and mysteries, deep mysteries, just because we study the Bible night and day, it doesn't mean that we have love. Because love, contrary to popular belief, isn't an invisible thing off in the corner somewhere, an imaginative creature that we just believe in. No. But love is what we do for other people. Love goes much deeper than that. And he says, if I do not have love mixed in with my prophecy, all the mysteries and the knowledge and my faith, I am nothing. Verse 3, if I give all my possessions to the poor. See, we can even give our possessions to the poor. We can give of our bodies to hardship and still not have love, still not exercise love. He says, if that's the case, I gain nothing. Hallelujah. We talk about give, giving, give, and it shall be given back to us. Our offering proclamations on Sundays, we believe it'll be pressed down, shaken together, running over. Hallelujah. We believe all those things, but he says this. If you give without love, then you're not going to gain that. Hallelujah. There's got to be something welling up inside of us that says, I love my brothers and sisters. I'm willing to go out of my way to meet their needs, not only when it's convenient for me. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 13 is so much more than this. Even he tries to sum it up, and truly, he cannot fully. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. 
Come on, that's important right there. How often do I talk to people, minister to people, do things for people, all the while I'm seeking something for myself? Maybe I'm wanting more influence. Maybe I think that this will turn around for an opportunity for myself. We got to have selfless love. Amen. We got to have selfless love. Love is not easily angered. Come on, brothers and sisters, ministers in this church. This is what we've got to focus on. This is what we've got to practice. Because I can be used in so many amazing ways. But if I don't have love, it's not going to matter. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. But it rejoices with the truth Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. And here's a big one. Love always perseveres. Hallelujah. How can I never outgive my love? How can I have an unsolved debt? Well, that's why right there, because love never stops. Love never stops loving. Love never stops hoping. Love never stops protecting. Love never stops trusting. Even when it seems like they don't love you or they don't care about you or they don't care about God, love never stops. Love pursues. Oh, come on, brothers and sisters. Love pursues. Love pursues the back slider oh love pursues the backslider love pursues those who are hurting in the church love pursues those who haven't been in a while love pursues them hallelujah hallelujah there is only one thing we can be confident of. And that is even when our preaching is done and even when our singing is done and hallelujah, when our, all these lights turn off and we lock up these doors, love has not taken a break. Love has not closed down for the evening. Hallelujah, why would I talk for, again, I'm not doing this to Bose, please understand me, but why would I talk four and a half hours? It's that reason right there, because love doesn't stop. Hallelujah, when the doors are shut, that means the love continues. Praise God, that means I got to call, and I got to love, I got to reach out to people, I got to encourage people, I got to teach Bible studies to people, and not just leave it for their church services, I got to love, I got to love, I got to love. Why? Because 1 Corinthians 13, 8, the next verse, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. The only thing we can be sure of 
is that love prevails. I know it sounds like a cliche, but oh, if we looked at love and we truly got love for one another, like the scriptures say, then again, we would recognize this isn't about when I'm in the building. It's not about when the mics are turned off and the system sound system is turned off. But there's still people I got to love in this church. And there's still people I got to love in this world. There's people I got to express love to. And I got to show action behind my love. Because I am indebted. And it's a debt that I cannot pay off. Praise the Lord. Love never fails. Love never ends. Love is that unsolvable debt. Like a looming, a looming debt, a looming burden upon the minister. I cannot help but to love. Even when I am unloved, a debt, a burden upon the minister that even when I'm tired, I must still love. A burden on the minister that even when I'm home sitting in my recliner and I get that phone call, then I must love. This unbearable, this debt, unsolvable debt. Even when I barely have enough to pay the bills, I still find a way to give to my brothers or sisters in need. Hallelujah. Even when I'm working a job and I don't have much time to spare, I still find time to visit my brother and encourage him. Oh, I'm here to tell you that this isn't something that you can just put your finger on and say, okay, this is how you do it. It's something that you must determine in your heart that says, I am committed to people. I'm committed to you being making it to heaven. I'm committed to you staying in the church. I'm committed to you learning the Bible. We've got to get that love for others. If we could stand here today. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help us to love as you loved. Oh, God, help us to love as you loved. Oh, a love that is without measure, Lord. Help us to love as you loved. I'm going to take a few minutes. It's it's a little early today. I'd love to invite you down to this altar to take a few minutes just to cry out to the Lord and say, God, how can I love more like you? How can I love more like you? How can I give of myself more like you gave yourself for me?
Lord, how can I talk to people out of love? Lord, how can I give to people out of love? 